0: Whenever I mention the word prosperity, what is the first thing that comes to your mind? Some of you probably thought of prosperity preachers, right? Some of you probably thought of prosperity gospel, right? That's how we think about it when we think prosperity. The problem with this modern interpretation of biblical prosperity is that it turns off a lot of people and for good reason. And yet the word prosper or prosperity is a beautiful biblical word. It is a biblical concept. Now today I'm going to challenge you to rethink this whole concept of prosperity. I want you to think afresh. Because money and prosperity are not evil in themselves. Money and prosperity are very important to God. And the reason I say money is important to God, it is mentioned in the Bible 2,085 times. In Psalm 37, verse 25, and Philippians four nineteen, God promised to meet and bless His faithful children. God committed Himself to do that. And if you study biblical history, you're going to discover that there are certain periods of time in which God blessed His people, and He blessed them abundantly, made them exceedingly prosperous, always for a reason, always for a reason. And here are some examples. God prospered Abraham, exceedingly prospered him, as a sign and a confirmation of the covenant with Abraham. Then God blessed and prospered His son Isaac as a proof that this covenant is continuing on for the next generation. Today we're going to see in Genesis chapter 30 how Jacob exceedingly prospered. Verse 43, it makes it very clear. Chapter 30, verse 43, Genesis. In this way, the man, Jacob, grew exceedingly prosperous. Here are several principles about prosperity God's way. I want to share with you three biblical principles about prosperity, God's way. Here they are. First of all, let not prosperity be your all-consuming focus. Secondly, let hard work be your all-enduring quality. And thirdly, let your trust in God's faithful provision Be your all-abiding comfort and confidence. Look at that first one. Let not prosperity in itself be your consuming purpose or or focus. Jacob's attitude was not, I want to get all I can, can all I get, and sit on the lid. (laughs) Look at verses 25 and 26. He said to his father-in-law slash uncle… Give me my wives and my children <laughs> so that I may go back home. I worked for them, and that's all I'm asking for. He was not asking for anything else. For 14 long years, he worked so hard, sweating and blood, and asked for nothing. I know in modern day, 21st century, a person would have walked up to Laban, his uncle, and said, listen here, Uncle Bozo. I made you rich. God blessed you because of me. Even the demons whom you dabble with told you so. (laughs) I could have used your trust in me and stole you blind, but I didn't. And man, he could have expanded on his virtues. But Jacob never, never coveted Laban's wealth. But Jacob, like his grandfather Abraham... When the king of Sodom and all the other kings of those little places there, they were taken hostage, and material possession was taken from them. But Abraham, old as he was, turned into a rainbow, and he got only a handful of guys. They went in there, whacked them off, and they liberated the people. The king of Sodom was so overwhelmed, they brought wealth, and they brought cattle, and they brought gold and silver, and they want to give it to Abraham. And Abraham said, not on your life. Why? I don't want to ever anyone says, I made Abraham rich. That privilege is going to be given to God alone. Amen? Amen. Let's face it. (laughs) Had Jacob done something to feather his own nest, (laughs) none of us would have blamed him, right? I mean, after all, he's got a large family to feed, right? No. He wanted to be faithful in the trust That was placed upon him because he believed with all his heart that he is working for the Lord. Where do you think his son Joseph learned this faithfulness? His favorite son, Joseph, gets into Egypt, and Miss Potiphar wanted to deceive her husband and and commit adultery. And he said, absolutely not. You belong to your husband. He learned faithfulness from his father, Jacob. (laughs) And listen… Jacob had lots of faults, but not unfaithfulness. So that was Jacob's first priority. He's going to rest upon the Lord. So don't make prosperity to be your overriding focus. Remember what Jacob said to God in Bethel? Do you remember a couple of messages ago when he saw this incredible vision of the Ladder going up and down from heaven, and angels coming up and down. And he saw, as I told you, nothing less than the pre-incarnate Christ. God gave him a vision of what to come thousands of years later, the pre-incarnate Christ. You remember what Jacob said to him? And this, by the way, I remind you again, 400 years before the law, he said to him, whatever you place in my hand, I'll return 10%. Jacob trusted that God is the one who is going to bless him, not his uncle Laban. Jacob consciously devoted himself to God. Jacob believed that he was serving God by serving Laban. And don't you ever forget that you are serving God in whatever company, whatever work you're doing. You're serving God first. And if Jacob was a modern-day person, he would have rationalized gouging his uncle. He would have rationalized it. But all he asked for was his wives and children. That's all he asked for. He didn't ask for anything else. He didn't ask for a reward, but God gave him a mighty one. Please don't miss this. By not making his own prosperity to be his all-consuming focus and refusing to enrich himself, only enrich his boss, Jacob prospered. Isn't it amazing? Secondly, let hard work be your all-enduring quality. If anyone had an excuse for not working hard, goofing off, and taking it easy, it would be Jacob, right? He could have said to himself, he said, man, I'm only going to work for what they pay me. After all, Laban owes me big time. Laban cheated me instead of working for seven years for Rachel. Look what he did to me. He got me working 14 years. I'm going to goof off. I will not pay him back. <laughs> he could have said, now, whether Laban prospers or not, that doesn't matter. There's no skin on my nose. He could have said, well, God promised to take care of me. He told me that in Bethel. He's going to take care of me, so I'm just going to sit back on my blessed assurance and do nothing and let God do it all. Have you known people like that? No. No, sir, not Jacob. Listen carefully. With all of his faults, and we've seen some, we're going to see some more. But with all of his faults, Jacob was a faithful man. When it comes to faithfulness, he worked his heart out for 14 solid years. And so he tells Laban, look with me at verse 26, For you know how hard I worked for you. Laban, who was idol worshiper, Laban, who was dabbling in the occult, Laban, who was a pagan in every way, even he acknowledged that he was blessed because of Jacob's faithfulness. Verse 27, even the demons told Laban that God prospered him because of Jacob. Here's an important lesson. When you are a faithful worker, when you're a diligent worker, when you're a hard worker, Even the pagans are going to testify to that. What do you think salt and light is supposed to be? It's not only for what you say, but how you live. I had three older brothers. Sadly for me, they all went to be with the Lord. Wonderful men who loved God, and all three of them had national reputation. I mean, they were... Renowned nationally for their abilities, banking and the economy, and and they occupied very important national position. They had national reputation. One of those brothers who was as brilliant a mathematician as they come, he had an impeccable reputation as a, a great economist. He literally was involved in putting together the national budget. He was renowned for hard work in a culture that was rife with corruption and bribery. He was known as Mr. Clean. He often brought work home, and uh, not to be paid over time, he just brought work home, and I would have a mathematical problem. So I go to him. When I go t- to this particular brother, and I ask him to help me, and he's always gracious, always generous, and puts his work down and starts to help me. And the first thing he would say to me Where's your pencil? As a teenager, I mean, I'm incredulous like most teenagers, and and I said, you just put your pencil down. Use your pencil. He said, you don't understand. This is the government pencil. I'm not going to use it for personal use. (laughs) Let not prosperity be your all-consuming focus. Let hard work and faithfulness be your all-enduring quality. Thirdly, let your trust in God's promises be your all-abiding comfort and confidence. Jacob trusted the Lord for his prosperity. Back then, they did not have social security, 401k, profit sharing, stock options, none of that. But Jacob had something superior to all of that. Jacob had the Lord. And let me tell you about the God of Jacob. Let me tell you about the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let me tell you about the character of our God. He does not repay us for our faithfulness with inflated dollars. Did you get that? He does not allow the money pool to dry up. God does not bless His faithful children based on the Dow Jones Industrial Average. He does not bless His faithful children based on the S.P. 500. He does not bless His faithful children based on the stock market. He does not bless His faithful children based on the state of the economy. No, sir, that's not our God. Our God has His own criterion for prospering us. Amen. Amen. Give Him glory. Give Him glory. Laban said to Jacob, here's a use of translation, Don't leave me. Name your price. What are your wages? And Jacob said, I don't want anything that I did not work for. Only my wives and children. But Laban insisted, no, 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 name your price, name your price. I want..." To so Jacob said, I'll keep the spotted and striped animals. I'm going to summarize it for you because I'm sure some of your eyes kind of go sideways when you heard about the peeled branches and all that stuff. And I'm going to summarize it, make it easy for you, okay? Laban had all the solid color animals. Jacob took the spotted and the striped animals. I want you to watch for this. Watch it because you miss it if you're not watching, okay? Everybody knows that the solid colors are the majority of the animals. That's a fact. The rare ones are the spotted or the striped. Then Jacob continued, But after I work with these animals that I'll keep, I will keep all the spotted and the striped ones, and you keep the solid ones. I am convinced, if you read it carefully, Laban must have thought of this proposal, for no more than a second, possibly two seconds. And he put his hand on there and said, deal, buddy. <laughs> I'm sure in his mind, he was saying, you know, I know this guy is my son-in-law, and he's my sister's son, but he's got to be as dumb as a doornail. <laughs> Everybody knows that the solid color animals do not produce spotted or striped-off springs. Everybody knows that. Oh, but Laban did not know. God's prosperity program for his faithful children. So they separated the two sets by about 15 miles. What was Jacob doing? He was placing himself at a disadvantaged position. He placed himself in disadvantage. That's what really was doing. It almost reminds me of Elijah when the prophets of Baal were cutting themselves. Baal, hear us, Baal, nothing happened. And he comes up there, he said, you know, boys, go and get some water pour it on the wood. (laughs) I want to prove that my God can lick the water and the wood. (laughs) And the fire did. So he's put himself in a disadvantaged position. Now, you don't have to be a genetic expert to know that the solid animals don't produce spotted or striped. But what happened next, listen to me, raises the hackles of a lot of Western theologians. They really do. Was it Jacob superstitious, or what is this happening, or this happening, and why is this, and why is that, was the other thing. I'm going to give you something from me. You can take it or leave it. You can throw it out or keep it, but it is my personal conviction, and I'm going to prove it to you scripturally. Some people said um, what Jacob did by peeling the branches and make them all stripes or colors and a superstition. But this peeling of the branches... To produce spotted and striped offspring, I personally believe, wasn't Jacob's idea. Now, the Bible does not affirm it, yes or no. The Bible does not commit. It just said he believed it. Jacob believed it. And there's another way. God could have commanded Jacob to do it that way. And to see if Jacob going to obey God or not. I'm going to tell you another incident in the scripture to prove what I'm saying. Jacob could have said, Now, I, Jacob, I've been around animal husbandry for a long time, and things don't work that way. This doesn't make sense, but I'll do it in obedience. Some 400 years later, Moses in the wilderness, the Israelites were bitten by deadly snakes and were dying one after the other. God said to Moses, go and make a bronze snake. And lift it up high. And every bitten, dying person looks at that bronze snake will be healed and will live. Imagine somebody's hearing Moses giving this command and say, well, this is crazy. Whoever said looking at the bronze snake can heal you? And they didn't do it, and they died. (laughs) Others probably said, well, I don't know, but God said it. I'll do it. They looked up, and they got healed. Question. Were those who were healed, were healed because of something magical in that bronze snake? God bless you. They were healed by their obedience. Beloved, obedience heals. Obedience blesses. Obedience answers prayer. In fact, the next chapter, we're going to see Jacob had a dream about this pickled and spotted animals. Was it Jacob's superstition? I don't believe so, personally. But don't ever forget that he did not have a Bible. We have five, six different translations of the Bible in our houses, where we have so many Bible studies and home groups, where we have a church on every corner. This man only heard God once in Bethel. And so, Put him in context of his time. What he did, he did in obedience. Question Was the power to produce genetically altered offspring in the peeled branches? God bless you. The power was in Jacob's obedience. Because he was in God's supernatural program for prosperity. And therefore, God prospers his faithful, obedient children. Because Jacob trusted in God's provision, and God provided in the most unusual way. And there may be someone here today, or somebody's watching me around the world, who is living in blatant disobedience and saying to themselves, Why God is not blessing me? Why is God not doing this? Why God is not answering my prayer?" Beloved, listen to me. Our God feeds the birds of the air, and He closes the flowers of the field. How much more valuable are His faithful children? Jesus said, when you seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, that is obedience and faithfulness, then all of whatever it is you need is going to be given to you in abundance. Beloved, God's grace... Saves you from sin. God's grace redeems you from the judgment. God's grace convicts us and leads us to repentance. God's grace overwhelms our past scars. God's grace supplies all of your needs. It is the same grace that God can use to bless His obedient children. Same grace. And He longs to do that. He longs to do that. But only when you don't make prosperity to be your all-consuming focus, when you let hard work be your all-enduring quality, and when you trust in God's provision, become your all-abiding comfort and confidence. My dear, beloved friends, if I've learned anything in years of walking with the Lord is that he's always on time. Always on time. He is never a minute early or a minute late. Oh, there are many times I want him early. But that would have been a terrible mistake as I look back. He's always on time. He's always on time. Even if it takes, like in the case of Jacob, 20 years from the time he made the promise in Bethel to the time it happened. 20 years. God is faithful, and He will keep His promises. God will always keep His promises. Let us say it again together. Thank God for His overruling grace. Thank God for His overruling grace. The question is, are you willing to wait, or are you ready to give up? It is the cry of my heart that everybody at the sound of my voice who said, God, I trust you. I'm going to anchor my hope in your promises. And I want to be obedient and faithful in every way. Thank you for listening to this message from Dr. Michael Youssef, Bible teacher on Leading the Way. Learn more about the global ministry of Dr. Youssef and Leading the Way by visiting ltw.org. That's ltw dot org.